Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Julie Musbeck. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. So, Julie, we had uh, some news from the Drama League Award last week. What was their uh, what was their breakdown of their winners? Yeah, so we are deep into award season by now, whether you like it or not. Good news is it's almost over. So, last Friday, the Drama League handed out their annual awards. The winners were as follows. Outstanding production of a Broadway or off-Broadway play went to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Outstanding revival of a Broadway or off-Broadway play went to Angels in America. Outstanding production of a Broadway or off-Broadway musical was The Band's Visit. And outstanding revival of a Broadway or off-Broadway musical was My Fair Lady. The Distinguished Performance Award went to Glenda Jackson for Three Tall Women. Now, the Drama League Awards, of course, are, of course, very unique in that they nominate a whole series of performers, and then only one of them wins. So this doesn't clear up a whole lot of the possible Tony's questions, but it does hint at a few. So, James, what did you think about the choices? Were they fairly predictable? I have a logistical question that maybe you might have an opinion on. So the band's visit was off-Broadway last year, and it's on Broadway this year. What happened with the Drama League Awards last year? Uh, Did the band's visit not win the outstanding production of a Broadway or off-Broadway musical last year? I I wonder who won that. Um, I believe it wasn't eligible. I don't think the timing lined up. I think that's how they determined that was... Yeah, they all have different periods of, you know, when a show can be considered. So I think the run of the band's visit didn't make it into last year's awards, but it did make it into this year. That's why it's not eligible for a lot of awards this year. But the Drama League uses a different, you know, timing system. Yeah, very confusing. They should all just June 1st to May 31st, you know, (laughs) should be like (laughs) across the board mandatory. Oh, I don't remember who won last year because I don't know that Dear Van Hansen was eligible. It had to be because Ben Platt won. So they must have won oh. Best Musical, too. Oh, excellent. I was there. Analysis. I should remember. All right. So um, as we are recording, we have a handful of the Obie Award winners, but not all of them. So do you, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on at the Obies? Yeah, so we've got a little preview of the Obies, which award excellence in off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway theater. As of right now, the winners are Best New American Theater Work, Rajiv Joseph for Describe the Night. In playwriting, we have Dominique Morisot for Pipeline, Alicia Harris for Is God Is, Amy Herzog for Mary Jane, and Abe Kugler for Fulfillment Center. The performance awards are Denise Guff for People, Places, Things, Robert Sean Leonard for At Home at the Zoo, Jessica Hecht for Admissions, Will Swenson, Jerry Springer, The Opera, Alfie Fuller, and Dame Jasmine Hughes is God Is. Lighting design is Lap Chi Chu. Costume design went to Sarah Lowe for Jerry Springer, The Opera. And special citations were David Greenspan, Jack Cummings III, and Transport Group for Strange Interlude, as well as the cast and creators of Yerma. And of course, this time's lifetime... This year's Lifetime Achievement Award went to Kathleen Chalfont. And if there are any updates there, Matt will have them for you tomorrow. Just listening to that list of winners, that just tells you that Off-Broadway is where it is happening now. It's true, yeah. I mean, that this show should be called Today on Off-Broadway. or <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's where all the news is. It's where all the new stuff is because you know it's hard to get someone to take a chance on you for broadway but off broadway you can sometimes get away with things it's so hard to get an off broadway 
audience, though. That's the tough thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough when you have, you know, off-Broadway. I the official, the official designation of Broadway is, uh, I'm going to get this, I think, right. To be a Broadway house, you have to have a theater larger than 499 seats between 41st Street and 59th Street, but they also allow the outlier like Lincoln Center, uh, from 6th Avenue to 10th Avenue. So it's like Broadway is strictly defined there, and then off-Broadway is like anything else that sort of doesn't fit into that thing. If you're under 499... Uh, if you are not in that geographic location uh, designated by that box that they describe. Um, But the thing is with Off-Broadway is that they face, you know, the same sort of cost. If you buy an ad in the New York Times or if you buy an ad on Broadway World, it costs you the same amount as as you're competing against the band's visit, whether it be the band's visit Off-Broadway or the band's the band's visit on Broadway. So to make a off-Broadway show profitable is sometimes much tougher than a Broadway show. It's very hard. And I believe off-Broadway off is 99 seats or fewer, correct? Uh, I don't think there... I think anybody who's saying off-off, I'm not positive about this, I might be wrong, is that... Uh, it's anything that is not an off-Broadway contract. And I don't think that it's officially defined by equity, but I, I could be wrong about that. I don't think there's such thing as an off-off-Broadway contract. Usually when you're hitting less than 99, it's a special agreement or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, we have to get the folks from equity come on and uh, talk a little bit about that to clear that up for us. I probably got that all wrong. Let's see. It does. I looked it up. It says that off-off-Broadway theaters are smaller and usually have fewer than 100 seats. Though it's also applied to any show that employs union actors but is not under an off-Broadway, Broadway, or League of Resident Theaters contract. So we're both right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the Lord contract, that's a whole other thing that the nonprofits like uh, Manhattan Theater Club... Um, Lincoln Center and uh, Roundabout. That's right. Roundabout uses that. So uh, those type of contracts are also very... uh, 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 Commercial producers argue that they're not playing on a level playing field with with productions like Lincoln Center who can have, you know, a, a cast of 50 because they pay a very different... A much lower uh, wage scale than, say, the uh, a theater just down the block, whether it be uh, the band's visit or Dear Evan Hansen or Hamilton. Those actors get paid a lot more under uh, the commercial Broadway contract than a Lord Theater will pay their actors. All right, Julie, tell us about the money. Tell us about last week's Broadway grosses. <laughs> Despite the fact that Broadway was short a show after the closing of Lobby Hero, the grosses ticked up half a percent to come in at $38.8 million last week. Three shows saw week-over-week increases of more than $200,000. Wicked is one, but the other two, Lion King and Hamilton, saw more than $300,000 bumps, thanks to Lion King getting back to an eight-performance week, eight week and Hamilton rebounding from an edu-ham week. The increase kept Hamilton at the top of the receipts with $3.12 million, one of 17 shows to top seven figures. The others were Lion King, Harry Potter, Springsteen, which only played four shows, 
Wicked, Dear Evan Hansen, Frozen, Mean Girls, Aladdin, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, Carousel, Summer, The Iceman Cometh, Hello Dolly, The Boys in the Band, and My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady had the largest decline of a musical this week as Lauren Ambrose was out for the entire weekend. MTC's St. Joan was at the bottom of the grosses and percentage of gross potential list at 228,031.2%. Once on this Island was the lowest grossing musical at $513,582, while Escape to Margaritaville was the lowest musical in terms of percentage at 392 Overall, Broadway was at almost 93% capacity last week, while it grows to a healthy 80% of its potential. So things are looking fairly good as the Memorial Day weekend approaches. All right, Julie, what else do you have today? Okay, in other news, yesterday, the producers of the off-Broadway smash immersive production of Sweeney Todd announced that the pie shop would close on August 26th. The show began performances at the Barrow Street Theater on February 14th of 2017. Also on Tuesday, Darren Hansen announced that Sky Lakota Lynch will take over the role of Jared Klingman after original star Will Rowland departs on June 10th to begin rehearsals for the off-Broadway premiere of Be More Chill. And finally, since Matt wrote this part of the script, there was no way we weren't going to include the fact that yesterday Theater Mania released a video of Laura Benanti running through the musicals from this past Broadway season. Matt wanted me to let everyone know that one of Benanti's jokes made him laugh, and then very sad, you can try to guess which one. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, so we have a special guest tonight, don't we? We do. Jenna Tessa Fox is joining us. Uh, Broadway listeners know Jenna because she has uh, been a contributor to Broadway Radio for... I, I'm going to say multiple years by now. Uh, she has written for numerous publications, including Playbill, Broadway World, Time Out New York, Howl Round. She's a Drama Desk mem- member. And most importantly, uh, the other night, she went to the Cheetah Rivera Awards. So, Jenna, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us, uh, tell the listeners, and, and in fact, tell me, what are the Cheetah Rivera Awards? Well, the Cheetah Rivera Awards, up until two years ago, were the Fred and Adela Stare Awards. They, yes, they, they got a new name. So uh, the official line, uh, carrying the namesake of one of the great dance icons of the American musical theater, the mission of the Cheetah Rivera Awards is to celebrate dance and choreographic excellence, past, present, and future. The awards honor the superb achievement of each nominee while recognizing the immeasurable talents and passion of every theatrical choreographer and dancer. So the awards uh, celebrate dance, but not dance like ballet companies. This is dance in other platforms. So dance in uh, Broadway, off-Broadway, and cinema. And it's I had never been to these awards before. Uh, This was such a spectacular evening. It was held at uh, NYU's Skirball Center. And all of if you ever want to have ego problems, be in a room full of dancers. (laughs) I mean, my God, all these Broadway dancers just walking through graceful and lightsome and then there's me uh it was it was lovely amazing evening and there is just something so thrilling about being at an award ceremony named after somebody who is actually in the room and who everyone else in the room knows and loves uh so the second cheetah rivera awards We're celebrating dance and choreography on Broadway, off-Broadway film, and all of these dancers and choreographers that had a chance to celebrate Mm -hmm. how their art form works with other art forms. Um, Some of the, uh, there were some special awards given out. Um, 
Carmen, uh, I'm going to mess up her name, forgive me, Carmen uh, Devalad, I think Devalad, she received the second annual Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, John Kander got the Outstanding Contribution to Musical Theater as a composer. Hal Prince got the SDC Director Award for Exemplary Collaboration with Choreographers. And Stephen Hoggett, he's represented on Broadway this season with Angels in America and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. He got the inaugural Douglas and Ethel Watt Critics' Choice Award. And it was not a terribly long evening. They managed to represent an awful lot of shows um, and to celebrate not, not just what's on and off Broadway now, but previous years. Um, Stephanie Pope, who I think for one performance got to go on for Cheetah Rivera in Kiss of the Spider Woman 25 years ago. Uh, she got to perform the big Where You Are dance number from that show, recreating Rob Marshall and Vincent Patterson's original choreography. And this was just such a thrilling moment. I'd gotten to see Stephanie Pope in Chicago way back when and chatted with her a little bit after. And it was wonderful to get to see her dance again and to get to do this number that she learned, but rarely, since she was the understudy, rarely got to perform. Uh, Mark Aceto and Evan Ruggiero performed Nilda Sperandum from Bastard Jones to celebrate the off-Broadway musicals of the season. Did you get to see uh, Bastard Jones? I, I totally missed that one. No, I, I didn't see it. I don't know anything about Bastard Jones. No, neither neither did I, and I really regret that because the number was adorable. And Mark Aceto, Evan Ruggiero got to dance and sing and uh uh, Evan Ruggiero uh, has one leg. Uh, he used an old school peg leg for this particular number, since I'm assuming it's based on uh, the novel Tom Jones. So I'm guessing it's set in the similar time period. And to see him dancing up a storm with a peg leg, it was it was wonderful. It was so thrilling. It was absolutely delightful. And uh, the message that that sent, just this one number on this one stage uh, about the universality of dance and how you can still dance with one leg and you can make a terrific impression. I really hope that uh, Evan Ruggiero will be in a lot more musicals and we'll get to show off how well he can dance. And it was just a thrilling moment. The audience went nuts after that. Um, Cheetah herself presented the award to John Kander. She was talking about how uh, he brought her into the basement of a theater and said, hey, I've got this vamp for you for a song. Listen to this. Da, 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 and began playing the vamp <laughs> to Chicago. And she began hopping up and down all excited because it was such a great little musical motif. And he stopped playing, glared at her and said, relax, there's a whole song ahead. And, and it was the whole evening was just filled with so much love and admiration for all of the artists. Um, Hal Prince may have had the uh, most humble acceptance speech I ever heard. The entire speech was him just naming the choreographers that he's worked with. That was it. He didn't talk about himself at all. He didn't thank anyone else. He just recognized all of these choreographers that he worked with in his career. Uh, it was such a great celebration of recognizing the the dual nature, the uh, the need musical directors have for great choreographers and the need that great choreographers have for great directors. That was a lovely bit. Uh, three songs were presented from Hal Prince musicals or musicals that Hal Prince uh, worked on, I should say. 
uh, interestingly, they were not dance numbers. They were uh, solo songs. So Ben Crawford sang Music of the Night. Brianna Parham got to repeat her amazing performance of Cabaret from last season's, uh, or no, earlier this season, um, from uh, Prince of Broadway. And then Harvey Firestein sang If I Were a Rich Man. <laughs> Oh, yes. Brought the house down and he shimmied so hard during that song, his lavalier mic flew off. So <laughs> it was just such a uh, it was a thrilling, exciting moment. Um, and uh, Carmen, uh, oh, my God, I, I'm ashamed to say I don't really know her work that well. And I've got so much homework to do to catch up. Carmen de Leva. Lavad, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed to get keep getting her name wrong. Uh, she gave this amazing speech about uh, her work with uh, with different schools and teaching at Yale and coming up through over the years. She's about the same age as Cheetah. And uh, when she gave her speech, she said, uh, what was her line? Um, Find mentors. They have a wealth of wisdom and they love the attention. And the grandma has spoken and began dancing off the stage. It was so thrilling. And uh, it was a wonderful night. And I'm really hoping that um, there will be a lot more. uh, This event will get bigger and longer and become as significant an event. I really hope it will be uh, streamed online like the Drama Desk Awards are. Because people should be seeing this. People should see the uh, the performances uh, that people get to uh, uh, that some a lot of these dancers got to do. We got to see the uh, the pas de deux from Carousel, just that one clip from uh, the Act Two ballet. Uh, the cast was there. We got to see that, um, and like I mentioned, the clip from Bastard Jones, and you know, these need to be seen to be recognized. It was a really spectacular evening, and I hope next year some theater website can stream it live so that people can watch it and it can have a bigger audience. All right, Jenna. Well, thanks so much for giving us a report on that. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Julie Musback. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. 